Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Welcome. It's good to be with you again, even though we're distant. We can be connected together through this technology, but mostly in our hearts and with the Lord. And I'm so thankful. If you're visiting with us today, I'm I'm glad that you've made it here. And I hope that you make it all the way to the end. Uh, Consider yourself my personal guest. Thank you for coming. All right. We are continuing on in a study of a very Old Testament book by the name of Ruth. It's named after a gal who was a daughter-in-law of a lady who was from Israel. Her name was Naomi. Well, Naomi and her husband moved to a place called Moab because in Israel at that particular time, there was a famine, and so they had to go where there was food. While they were there, um, her sons married two women uh, who were Moabites. Uh, They they weren't of the same religion uh, or background as she was. But her husband died, and her two sons died. And so she's left with just uh, herself and her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. Now, they want to stay with her. But she's, she's thinking, I'm heading back to my homeland. My, my best chance of survival is to go back to my homeland. And so it would be better for you to stay here and find husbands and raise up children here in your own community where you would have favor. Well, Orpah followed the advice, sadly. She, she wanted to go, but she took her advice. But... Ruth was having none of it. She's like, I'm going with you. I love you. And your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And this is it. I'm totally committed. So they head back on this journey, not really knowing what they're going to find. Because, you know, as as women in that day, they were very, very financially disadvantaged, uh, disadvantaged in so many different ways. They were left open, unprotected. And really, they were taking a step, a last-ditch effort. And so they're really starting over. And that's what we've called this series, Starting Over with God. Well, think about all that's going on in our world right now. Think of everything that's happening. Um, There's going to be a lot of starting over for a lot of us, I think. Um, And that's just going to be a fact of life for quite some time. My prayer is is that as we get into this book, this ancient book, thousands of years old, that we find in it hope that was intended originally for those of us to have hope and trust in God in times when it seems like everything's bleak. It seems like there's no chance. There's there's no way that we're going to make it. There's a little bit of glimmer of hope and we head in that direction. And I hope that if you're struggling now or in the days to come, that this becomes a, a story that is just enmeshed in your life and the lessons that are learned are very important to you and to your family. And most of all, with your walk of faith with God. Because I don't know what your faith walk is. I don't, you know, I don't have like special information from heaven where I know what's going on with people's minds. I don't. And I'm thankful I don't. There's certain things I don't want to (laughs) know. If you think you don't want me to know, I don't want to know. Okay. Now, 
Three main characters. You have a guy by the name of Boaz. What a cool name, right? Tough name. And then you have Naomi, and you have Ruth. Ruth is from the Moabite tribe. Naomi is coming home. Boaz is a landowner and farmer in Israel himself, and he does quite well. And these folks' lives are going to come together in God's providence in a way that is absolutely, undoubtedly God's move. Only God can put these circumstances together. And if you've experienced that in your life, you know that when you start over with God, there is an opportunity to see things and to learn things and experience things that you've never had before. Well, today we're going to talk about Ruth in chapter 2 and her character. We talked about she had the right kind of beauty last week, but we're going to talk about her character and how it plays such an important role and how God blesses her. Well, before we get started, uh, around here we like to say an affirmation that's positive and it's sort of saying this over our life as God blesses us. So you're welcome to join in. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all that he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he's transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art. And I welcome all that he has for me today. And I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. All right, well, let's get to the text, shall we? Ruth chapter 2, in verse 11. Before we open this up, uh, Boaz has just met Ruth, and she's asking him, why are you so kind to me? Why have been, you've been so favorable to me? Because as he show, she showed up in his field to work, well, uh, he saw how hard she was working and what a good job she was doing, and she caught his eye. She was somebody who really had character, and we're going to see that in the passages to come. All right. Boaz replied, I've been told all about you and what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. This Your reputation is what others think and say about you. However, it's your character that builds your reputation. When we think of reputation, it's usually either positive or negative, right? Like you either have a good reputation or a bad reputation, or maybe no reputation at all. It's nothing worth noticing. But all of that comes from character, character that comes from deep inside. Character is built not in the great moments of life, but it's in the small ones, and it's revealed in those great challenging moments. And so it was with this gal, Ruth. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says this, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Man, that is good advice, isn't it? I mean, okay, if someone's getting ready for a prize fight, you expect that there should be some smack talk, right? You know, I'm the greatest, I'm gonna knock you out, you're gonna be picking your teeth, 
ground. Your teeth will be like stars. They'll come out at night. You know what I'm saying? That it's just one of those things where if you're in a prize fight, you're not going to say, well, I'm just so humble and I hope maybe I can beat you sometime. No, you, you've, got to, you've got to talk some trash. But in real life, nobody really responds to that. People don't necessarily love you bragging on yourself. In fact, we have a term for it. We like to call a person who does that a bore. And that's not, it doesn't sound very flattering, does it? It's not. Okay, look at uh, what Boaz does. After he talks about her reputation, what she's been doing while she's been in the camp, well, uh, he says this in verse 12, he offers a blessing. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May the Lord be richly, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He recognizes that she's a foreigner. She's someone from another country. She was a Moabitess. And really, people in Israel sort of looked down upon them because of their heritage. And you can go back to earlier studies to find that out or look it up on the web. But needless to say, he, he admires her and gives her a blessing by saying this, look, I recognize that, hey, you left your family and you came all the way out here and, and now you're in a foreign land with a foreign deity, a foreign God, the God that we call the Lord Adonai, the one who is in charge of it all, the creator God. And now you're here. And we pray that blessed <clears throat> as you rest under the shadow of his wings. You see, it gives the picture of like a mother hen who has the, the, the little chickens underneath her wing. Uh, the Lord is seen as that, as a place of rest, a place of protection, a place that, that is, is designed for um, respite in a person's life. And so it is, he says, now you're in Israel. Now you're under our God and may you have, find rest under his wings and his protection. She had come into a different land, but now she is experiencing the effects of faith and faith in the one true God. All right, look at her response. It's full of grace. Classic Ruth. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. We talked a lot last week about her humility. She was humbled in her circumstances. She was humbled in her position. And she was a humble person in heart. But she, was, she took initiative. She was hardworking. I mean, this gal had, in a very short time, made a reputation for herself because she was willing to get in there and go to work. As we said, she had no real right, but what she was able to do is to ask someone who owned a field, can I go behind you and pick up the grain that you don't pick up? Well, that's exactly what she did. And everybody around her noticed that this gal means business and she's a hard worker and she's going for it. And by the way, it's a small place, but I can tell you she's taking care of her aunt. I mean, not her aunt, her mother-in-law, excuse me. She's taking care of Naomi. It wasn't hard for her 
to develop this kind of reputation. Because people notice when you're humble, people notice when you work hard, and people notice uh, when you take initiative. And I just want to say this to um, anyone out there, especially those of you who are younger and you're emerging into the workforce, maybe getting out of college or school, and you're looking at jobs and you're thinking, man, things are getting scarce right now. What am I going to do? Let me, let me just tell you, the, the environment that she was in was an environment where there were not many opportunities at all, okay? But that didn't let her, that didn't stop her. That didn't let her off the hook. In her mind, she needed to do this. As we mentioned last week, it was better for her to have work than no work. And, and let me say to you, I, I want to give you some good advice. Those of you who are starting out in your career, those of you who are looking to provide for yourself. Your attitude will determine oftentimes your blessing and your success. Now, uh, granted, there are circumstances that are beyond our control where someone will persecute you, maybe someone wants to get you fired, someone doesn't just like you, and there's nothing you can really do about that. But if you're in an environment where real work is needed to be done, and people have deadlines, and there are tasks that need to be completed, and it need to be completed on time, well, then a person who steps up and does what they say they'll do, and they make a difference, and they even change the environment that they're working in because they're so humble and working hard. Let me tell you, my friends, you will remain employed for a long time. However, if you have a bad attitude and you expect certain things from people and you're not getting the credit that you want, and listen, it's easy for someone to resist that. But here comes Boaz, and he goes, who's this in our field? Well, she's from another country. Well, she has a mother-in-law who has land here, uh, whose family was from here. Somebody that would be easily overlooked. But you can't overlook a humble, hardworking spirit. And, and I'm, not, I'm saying this because this will be critical for many people as we head forward in the days to come. And God will bless it. And God will take care of you. And you have to trust that, okay? Now, let's move on. Boaz, okay, is really, really taking a liking to her. Look at verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When he sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. And she ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, to go back to work, Boaz gave orders to the men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some out of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. All of a sudden she's a person now who has a lot of favor. You see, God had made room in Israel for those who were poor, those who were widows, and those who were travelers and strangers in the land. That they could go along behind the harvesters and reap up the stuff that they left behind. And so that's what she was doing. But now he's saying, give her some of the good stuff and don't rebuke her. In fact, pull some of it up for her and make it easier for her. 
So all of a sudden she's getting this special treatment and she's getting advanced and she's doing so because of her character. Listen, I'm not talking about a perfect character. By the way, all of us can look at our character and realize there are some chinks, there are some areas that need to be upgraded or updated, right? There, there are some things that we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily proud of, and we know that they need to be changed. That growing our character is a process of learning, learning the virtues of God, learning the virtues that are so dear to humanity, and impl implementing them in our lives, and taking them seriously, and letting that work take place, okay? And so, let's say you, you may say, I have a kind of a bad reputation now. Okay, good. That's a starting point, all right? That's a starting point. God can take you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you've done, and he can, begin, he can start you by saying, I want you to follow me, and we're going to start over with me. And you need to listen to me and be humble, have the right attitude, and I'm going to take you places that you couldn't imagine. See, when Ruth and Naomi were traveling back to Israel, leaving Moab, they really didn't know what they were going to encounter. But all of a sudden, they have the favor of someone who is well-to-do, someone of noble character that we're told. And all of a sudden, life is beginning to change. And it's that character of hard work that brings her through. It's also God's favor. All right. She returns with a report and some provisions to uh, Naomi. Verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. Threshing means that you would go at this flat piece of ground, and it's usually a place that had a steady breeze or some wind to it, and you would beat the, the kernels of the wheat off and you'd begin to throw them up into the air so that, that the kernels and the chaff and other things would be separated. That way, at the end, you would be able to pick up the grain itself. So here's what you would do. Um, when you would gather up all of the grain that you had, it would be unfiltered, unsifted, and a lot of stalks and other things connected to it. So you would take it to what was known as a threshing floor, a flat piece of rock, of land that had a steady breeze, and you would break off you know, from the stalks all of the, the, the kernels, and then you would take them and throw them up into the air uh, with a winnowing fan, and then they would fall down, the chaff would fall over here, sort of the husk, and then the kernels of the grain would fall over here. That way you could collect it. And we're told that she collected about an ephah, which would be about four gallons, okay? And that's a lot of grain for someone in her position. It was really a good haul. So verse 18, she carried it back to mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place where she'd been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. All of a sudden here, okay, 
Naomi has a change of heart and it gets better and better and better. And let me, here's why. When she arrived in Israel, she arrived back in her hometown, back in Bethlehem. Her family, and friend, I mean, not family, but friends came along and said, oh, isn't this Naomi? She's come back after all this time. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because I'm bitter. And she was. But we, we, we learned from the first message that she was a very awesome person. Her daughter-in-laws loved her. She, she had an epic character, but she had a moment. And here, here's a reminder for us. You may feel at particular times that God has forgotten you. God's blessing other people. God's not blessing me. What have I done? What does that person uh, do to deserve that? Why do they have the advantage and why not me? God, you've forsaken me. You've hurt my feelings. You broke my heart. That's a feeling. But it was only a feeling. Because even though her husband had died and her sons had died in a foreign land, God had a plan for her that would eventually shape the life of the whole world. I'm not going to give it away. Uh, you're going to have to show up for further studies. But as the story unfolds and it's historical significance to the world is absolutely mind-boggling. Only God could put this together. But she's starting to feel like, hey, wait a minute. That's a lot of food. Wow, you, you brought me some of your lunch back. This is great. What's going on here? Tell me about this. Who is it? Boaz? Yeah. You see, it only takes a few moments for God to reveal to you that there's no need for the bitterness. There's no need to feel rejected by God because he's still there working out his plans. He doesn't always confer with us and tell us exactly what he's going to do. That's why we're called to walk by faith. That's why faith is so important. That's why faith pleases God. It's being able to trust him in the dark hours so that when the light appears, you can say, ah, I knew I could trust you, even though when I didn't feel like it, even though when I felt like that you had left me, uh, my, my faith in you tells me, don't give up. Don't flake out. Stay in there because God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his people. All right, verse 20. The Lord bless him. This is Naomi. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Well, there's a much more eloquent word that is used in many other translations, which is the kinsman redeemer. This I'm, I'm reading from is the NIV, which you'll know as the nearly inspired version. You know, I, I could say, I'm NIV positive, are you? Okay, terrible, we'll move on. He's the garden redeemer or the kinsman redeemer, and you think, what is that? Okay. People get freaked out about the Bible, and you come up, people come up with a lot of different ideas as to what it means, you know, superstitious people who are basically crawling out from under rocks 
who didn't understand science like you do or the internet or Instagram or other really amazing things that they didn't have. Um, but they were humans. What the best way to read and to understand it is in its context. And what I mean by that is you have to say, I'm reading something from another culture in another time. Just like if you'd never been over, uh, say, to Ireland or somewhere, and you'd never heard someone speak from Ireland, and all of the colloquial phrases, uh, you might get lost a little bit, right? Or maybe a country where they speak a language that you can't even understand, and their practices that are normal to them seem strange to you. That's just the way it is with the Bible, and it should be taken in that vein. When we hear the term like, guardian redeemer it goes back to their culture <clears throat> here's the deal you know women didn't have a lot of rights they needed protection and they uh, men held most of the rights and property and everything else and so let's say uh woman your husband dies well um they would look around for your husband's brother or a close relative who would come in and marry you and produce children and take care of the land so that uh, your relative wouldn't lose their inheritance. That there would be children, there would be progeny for the future for your dead mate's name and namesake. And that way the family would be protected and move forward, okay? So it was important to know who was next in line and who uh, had the right to come in to maybe purchase or help with their land. And also uh, the prospect of Ruth as eventually could be someone that you would marry and redeem uh, her husband's inheritance. It, it, it seems a little uh, different from what we, we're accustomed to, but that person was really important. So Naomi is jazzed. Because she says, this is somebody who could really help us out. This guy's a relative. This guy has a, an obligation under the, the, the law of Israel, under the God of Israel, to take care of those who are related to him. So this is a good thing. You know, Mara, the bitter, is now somebody that's getting pretty excited about God's provision. Look at verse 21. Then Ruth, the Moabite, said... He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all of my grain. This wasn't temporary. This was for the rest of the season. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, there's no bow tied on the end of this. What we get into next week in chapter three is fantastic. The beginnings of one of the most amazing love stories in history. But you can see what happened here, right? You have Naomi. She knew of the one true living God. She knew of Yahweh. She knew of Adonai, the Lord in Israel. All Ruth knew is that she knew her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law's character. Boaz 
was someone who had worked hard, who was of noble character, but he was obviously missing something in his life. And God was bringing them all together. And in the middle of it, we have Ruth, someone of also of high and noble character, someone who was willing to take a risk, someone who was willing to work hard and to be humble. And we see God's blessing in that, don't we? Naomi's heart was changed. Her life was blessed by Ruth's faithfulness and her character. Um, she was resourceful. She was humble. And she was beautiful in her character. And she had a notable reputation. She was obedient in authority and to those in authority over her, which is really important. She continually deferred to Naomi. She continually deferred to her boss, uh, Boaz. And most importantly, she was blessed. I know that you think, well, it's okay for her. But I, I tell you, I don't know many of us who could find ourselves in much harsher circumstances than they were in. They were literally uh, meals away from starvation and exposure. But God would take care of them. I want to talk to you just as we wrap this up, uh, very plainly and openly about what we're facing. Right now, um, there is a lot of fear in our society, a lot of fear in our homes, and fear in our hearts. And we wonder about the future. We wonder, we're afraid of catching the virus. We're afraid of uh, maybe carrying the virus and spreading it to someone else and causing them great pain or possibly even death. We want to be good citizens and we want to be good neighbors. Therefore, we don't want to put undue stress upon those who are medical professionals right now. All of this, and we think about friends and neighbors who are losing their businesses, folks who have worked hard for years now all of a sudden are, are wondering how they're going to make it forward. As all of this anxiety begins to creep in on us, it's easy for us to back away from life. Hold up. Take care of your own. You know, make sure that you get yours and just be afraid and don't make any sudden moves. My friends, the truth is that this world has never really been safe for any of us. Between natural disasters, disease, famine, war, it, it, it can be a dangerous place, but it's a very exciting place. And, and what I, I want us to do as we think about this time, and those of you who are Jesus followers, those of you who call upon the name of the Lord, those of you who say, you know, this is my fellowship, I want us to realize that this is more of a time of opportunity for us to let go of things that seemed so important and now embrace things that are really important and to set our fear, cast our care, as we're told, upon the Lord because he cares for you. Cast all of your care upon the Lord because <clears throat> you. That's, that's not 
a trite platitude. That, that's a promise that we can put our lives upon the Lord and then say, Lord, what is the opportunity during this time? In, in Ruth and Boaz and Naomi's life, it was harvest time. The fields had been planted and now it was time to harvest. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, was, uh, he said, listen, look up at the fields for they're ripe for harvest. And he, he was speaking about the, the fields of grain, but, but he was speaking more directly, figuratively to humanity who needs hope. You see, the message of this gospel, the message of the scriptures, the message of Jesus is, is not one of come, be a part of my religion. We need people like you in our religion. You will love it. No, it's not easy. It's full of, of people who have problems. We get on each other's nerves. Uh, we're growing. Some are uh, going backwards. Some of us are going forwards. It, it, it's, it's a, it can be a very messy place, but it's a glorious place because we can see God moving circumstances around us to get his will done. And to be a part of that is crazy and amazing. It's one of those things that you'll risk certain things for in order to be a part of it because it's so glorious and wonderful. I mean, why do people climb mountains? People climb up the side of a mountain with no ropes or harnesses, you know, free climbing. Uh, really? That sounds like the craziest thing in the world. And yet they, they've, they've made a decision that, okay, my fear is one thing, but the experience and the prog progress is worth more than any amount of fear that I could have. And so as we think about moving forward in this, my friends, this is not a time to embrace fear and close yourself off. It's a time to be open and ready to serve and be a blessing, to let that character of God shine through you, to let your character grow and in the small things and in our humility and how we care for one another, how we pray for one another. You may be, uh, I, I visit some folks and take them some um, provisions throughout the week. And many of them are just sort of isolated in home because of their medical circumstances. Uh, and, you know, it's really tough being in there. But if, if you're one of those folks and you say, man, I, I'm at home and I'm alone and I feel like I can't do anything. Listen, uh, if you have email, you can, you can mail your friends and encourage them. You can send people notes of encouragement. You can pray for people consistently and, and not in a way that is some kind of religious obligation, but it's something that is powerful. Prayer that is, is really connecting with God on the behalf of other people. Do not ever count that out. That is not some antiquated religious practice for the superstitious. That is for now. That's for human beings here today who need God's help. There is a lot that we can do. And if we lean in and we ask God and we're willing to, to do whatever he tells us, then, my friends, uh, that fear can fade away and allow us to move forward. I'm not saying go out and do something crazy. I'm not saying don't worry about the virus. Go hug everyone and greet them with a holy kiss. It's biblical. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is 
that on a mission with God, starting over, maybe, maybe you've blown it, maybe you've walked away and you're like, I, man, Dave, I've just blown it so much. Listen, take today and start over with God. Uh, may not be an indication of where you will be, but I know one thing. If you put your trust in the Lord, really put your trust in the Lord, he will produce results that will amaze you. That's what we want. That's our challenge. And thank you for making it all the way to the end of this message. I'm proud of you, really. I've listened to myself before. I know what you've gone through. (laughs) Well, anyway, I want to bless you as is customary for us and and pray for you. And and I, I, I pray that God's blessing would be upon you so that you can feel it and understand it and enter into that relationship that is absolutely beyond this world. It's real and powerful. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. And may we allow him to build our character a character that can be counted on, a character that we can be proud of. God bless you. Hope to see you next week. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. NCCABQ.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church, subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.